to be able to connect with people literally all across the world is amazing. It's such a great experience and we like, we really believe in that. That's the voice of Stevie Thompson from Happy Life Wood. And I'm excited to talk with him and his co-owner, Steve Thompson, right after a quick word from our sponsor. This episode is brought to you by Jobber. Jobber is software to organize and manage your business. From quoting a project to getting paid to everything in between, Jobber software brings everything together to make projects easy to manage and customers happy, giving you more time in your day and getting you paid faster. Go to getjobber.com Ethan or check out the link in the show notes for a free 14-day trial of Jobber. And if you try it now, you get 20% off your first six months when you sign up. Hello and welcome to Building a Furniture Brand with Ethan Abramson, the show that talks about the business behind the furniture business. On this episode, I sit down with Steve and Stevie Thompson, co-owners of the Rochester, New York-based furniture company, Happy Life Wood. As you will hear early on this episode, Happy Life Wood is not a furniture company. Although its roots started in the world of building and selling furniture, it has grown into something else entirely. I'm sharing this episode for many reasons, but two really stand out for me. One, I feel it's a perfect representation of how a small company can capitalize on a standout viral video to turn themselves from a one-hit wonder into a sustainable business. And two, as much as the goal of this show is to help people grow their furniture business, I would be remiss if I didn't also show that there are businesses outside of what a standard furniture company looks like that you can still use the physical and mental skills learned from the furniture world to be successful in your new venture. I spent uh, 25 plus years in the marketing slash communications world. Uh, I have a background and a degree in graphic design. So early in my career, I was a designer uh, and then uh, moved more into uh, marketing and communications in, in several different industries. So, you know, uh, after 25 years, you know, I was always trying to keep that, that creative flow going. Uh, and I was kind of missing that uh, later in my career because I was doing more managing and, and uh, um, working with um, not, not as, you know, creative hands-on type things. So one day, I, I don't know what it was. I you know, wanted to put some shelves up in my garage. And uh, I had never picked up a tool in my life. I'd never been a, a real handy person in terms of trying that kind of stuff. But I was like, yeah, well, maybe I'll take a shot at it. So got some plans on on uh, Pinterest or whatever it was and uh, started doing it. And I, you know, I bought a couple tools that I needed to do it and uh, just found out that I absolutely loved the whole process. I loved the working with my hands, the whole therapeutic side of it. I just got lost in. Literally, the time would go by so fast. It was just something that gave me an outlet outside of work to just start a hobby that I really enjoyed. So, you know, I would come home from work and that was the first thing I wanted to do was starting on a project. From there, I kind of, you know, as I think woodworkers do when they start out okay what's my next thing i'm going to try and 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 challenge myself and learn and and get some new tools and started doing some um some simple furniture builds uh but everything was with a set of plans that i that i downloaded or in in you know it, it was still incredible i i i absolutely loved it but there was still part of me that wanted to do something different, you know, something with wood that wasn't um, predetermined in terms of a design or, or plans or whatever. So I had done tables and I built an armoire and I did, you know, I did the whole epoxy thing, table, all that stuff. And then it was actually my son's birthday and, uh, I thought, you know, I really want to make him something out of wood. And he lived across the country, so I didn't want to make anything big or anything that, that was going to be difficult to ship. So um, I just, I don't know, the idea popped in my head to do an image, do a, a picture out of wood using different species of wood to determine color and, and stuff like that. And, um, 
you know, he's a he's a big sneaker collector, and I've always loved sneakers. We both have really common interests in that way, and um, so I took a you know a, a photograph, I digitized it in Illustrator, Photoshop, and uh, made myself a template and started to cut the pieces apart and fit them together. And initially, I was just gonna, I was, it was just gonna be a flat piece of art, and uh, so like I said before too, I had no tools. I, I had bought a scroll saw, but as far as like any of the like real sanding tools or anything like that, I really didn't have, you know, I didn't have a Dremel at the time. Um, so as I'm doing it, I'm sanding it, you know, by hand with just sandpaper and I'm rounding things off and I'm like, you know, I could really make this thing look three-dimensional. I could really, you know, give this thing a, just from the way it was, kind of coming together I could really kind of bring it to life and make it look real so I ended up buying a rotary tool you know a, a dremel tool and a couple different sanding and carving uh bits and uh I was blown away at the end I'm like wow this thing just came to life it literally using in, in the natural grains in the wood and the the tones and the the different variations of color were just beautiful to me and and you know at that point I was like I can really take these different species and almost paint with them I you know I often say that I paint with wood and um that's what I did and I finished it and uh my son loved it and he really at that time encouraged me he's like dad this is something special this is something that you know I think you should pursue at that point not as a career but just continue down this path. The next thing I, I um, thought about doing was, you know, I'm going to really challenge myself this time. I'm going to try a portrait. So it was right around the time of Kobe Bryant's passing. And I'm like, you know, I'm going to try a, a portrait of Kobe. So I, I went through the same process. I, you know, digitized an image, got the different woods together that I thought would represent tones and things in the, in the image. And, uh, you know, it took on a life of its own in terms of, I just was, it, the, the first one took me a while because I, in, in the process, really kind of was developing my own, my own way of doing this. So I got that one done and it, it came out really good. I got really good feedback from everyone. I, you know, it was tough for me because, you know, as artists, we're always our own worst critics, you know, but um, was getting some really good feedback. And uh, one of my my friends said, you know, hey, would you mind if I posted this on Instagram? And I, I didn't really have a presence on Instagram at the time. And, you know, I'm like, yeah, sure. You know, I don't care. So he posts it. And um, by luck or chance or whatever, it, it was seen by Pau Gasol, who is, you know, Kobe's longtime friend and teammate. And uh, he shared the image. And then the next thing he does is he reaches out and asks, you know, how he could purchase it. So, Next thing I know, I'm on a Zoom call with Paul Gasol and his, his manager, and uh, uh, I ended up, you know, selling the piece to Paul Gasol. Uh, with that came an incredible amount of um, exposure uh, to my work uh, in that he posted it. And uh, so it really is really where everything really jumped off for me. Once that kind of kind of took off, I was still in my in my job and, um, you know, doing it still pretty much as a hobby, however, making some, you know, some additional income uh, doing that. And uh, it, right in the beginning of COVID, I was laid off from my job and it was, you know, it was almost a relief for me because I was really wanting to make that jump, but was never confident enough to do it. And it was the kind of a forced situation and uh, it really couldn't have come at a better time. And I really, ha I haven't looked back since. It's amazing that in this day and age, something as simple as a social media post can launch an entire business like it did for you. You didn't even post it. Somebody else posted it and it became a business based on that and a business that grew very fast. You went from the first piece you did as a present for a family member, for your son, and the second piece getting 
world viewership from a very famous person. And that really skyrocketed your business forward. But a viral social media post doesn't make a company. There's a lot more that goes into it. So let's talk about that. Let's talk about how you grew your company from that first post to now. I'll let you take that one, Steve. Sure. This is going to be fun and interesting to talk about this because I'm kind of always behind the scenes on everything. <laughs> and I and I enjoy that, but it's going to be nice to kind of to to dive into this story because I'm so passionate about it and helping my dad. So it all started with the Pau Gasol post, of course, as as we've talked about. I really couldn't believe that happened. Um, it was unbelievable. I mean, one of the biggest sports superstars, not only in America when it comes to the NBA, but internationally. He is absolutely massive, you know, has almost 2 million followers on Instagram, is an incredible business person, and is just so well known. And I think the coolest part about it was when that did go viral, um, we immediately locked in with the community that loves Kobe Bryant. So it was just amazing to, to get that break. And during that time when my dad was creating that, I knew that he had something really special. You know, we started to do some research as to try to figure out what type of wood art was out there, but nobody was doing anything like this. You know, it's, yes, it's an art form, but if you look at it from a business perspective, that's what everyone else is looking to do too, right? To develop something that is its own, um, that people really appreciate. So after he sold that piece, I remember like it was yesterday, it's almost kind of emotional to talk about really because my dad and I have always been so close and, you know, have had similar interests. And um, I feel like we're both incredibly passionate people about things that we love, right? I grew up, him and I, you know, just developed interests over the years. We, I feel like we would go from you know, new interest and new passion into the next, you know, whether it was collecting sneakers together or developing a love for golf or developing a love for art, etc. So when he uh, called me, I was actually out on the golf course. And um, again, I remember it like it was yesterday, you know, and he had lost his job um, during that time in COVID. And I was just like, you know, obviously that that sucks. It's It's not fun to go through that but this is a huge opportunity for you. And there's not even a question in my mind that you need to take this on full time and start to develop more pieces. It was amazing to see his passion for this. Like he's gone through an entire career and while he's had great jobs over the years, as passionate as he is, I know that he never in his career was able to do something that was absolutely fulfilling to him. So for him to have this opportunity in front of him, I just, you know, said, look, I'm going to help you as much as I can. And we're going to, we're going to take this on together. Like, I really want to be a part of this. And I think it's just a special opportunity. So, and selfishly, I guess for me, like I had been dreaming of entrepreneurship for a couple of years, just based on the career that I had started in, in sales and working with brands. Um, so I was really interested in developing the brand with him as well uh, for that perspective, you know, with, with my dreams. So yeah, you know, that's really where it started. It wasn't like we looked at each other and said, man, let's start a business together. This would be cool father son, you know, thing to start. It really just kind of came out of nowhere um, based on my dad's love and passion for what he was doing and kind of turned into, into a no brainer at that point. So what were the first steps when you realized this is something that has growth potential? This is something that I can do, but lightning isn't going to strike twice just because I had that initial success doesn't mean that's going to be each and every single time. So you need to build a business around a one hit wonder and make it not a one hit wonder, make it a sustainable business. So what were the first steps that you both took in making that happen? So we're almost taking you know, different vertical markets and marketing to them. A lot of them, you know, are niche markets. So we're, you know, we're hitting multiple niche markets instead of, you know, just, just one, we're not limiting ourselves. So like the sneaker community, it's been 
unbelievable uh, the reception that we've gotten and the avenues that we've been able to take advantage of in terms of getting the stuff out there. You know, we started out where it was just really kind of exposing ourselves really to the the woodworking world and more, you know, more so in that, um, you know, scroll saw type woodworking world, uh, sign makers and things like that. And uh, we said, you know, we, we got to diversify a little bit here and let's, let's attack general art world. And, and then, you know, wood art being a niche within that. And then let's, let's go after like some of the, the markets that are the subject matter of what we love. And sneakers was one of those. The other one is portraits. And we've kind of developed a little bit of a niche in there as well. For sure. Um, again, I think the diving into the, the sneaker world was, was an absolute no brainer for us just because that's part of who we are. Um, I mean, I literally have a, Jordan black cement three tattooed on my, on my thigh. And my dad, you know, knows that's my favorite sneaker. We, you know, I remember like when I was early in high school, my dad, um, you know, woke up at the crack of dawn before work to go get in line at a mall to pick up those black cement threes at like five or six in the morning. (laughs) So that's always been something special for us. And that's what started this whole journey when he created that black Jordan cement three for me in the piece. And he's so good at those pieces that we just knew we had to go down that avenue. Right when he started to, to create a couple of those sneaker pieces of art, I started to reach out to just cold DMs and emails to some of the biggest names in the game. Our first real breakthrough, which was probably, you know, number two after the Powell post was connecting with Matt Halfhill, who we had been a big fan of for a long time, who's the CEO of Nice Kicks. Probably the biggest sneaker publication exists. I've been obsessed with, you know, reading it since I was a, you know, a young teenager. Um, so that was incredible. The fact that Matt recognized our work and actually had his team at Nice Kicks go and post it, that brought some insane opportunities celebrities, athletes, um, other people in the sneaker world, just the, the sneaker community is unlike anything else because they appreciate art. They look at sneakers as art. Um, so the recognition that my dad got within the sneaker world was amazing. Um, and we've kind of, we've, that's become our business model. Um, we went viral on TikTok a couple times, you know, got almost a million views on a couple videos where he explained his art process and explained what these sneaker pieces were made of. And people went crazy over them to the point where our business became a real business. Uh, you know, we put up an e-commerce store overnight and, you know, sold a couple of hundred of posters or prints. Um, that were basically replicas of his original pieces because people wanted to collect Happy Life Wood stuff. It's great to really connect with what you're doing, to really love the community that you're advertising to and working with and to really have that passion and feeling fulfilled with what you do emotionally is a big part of running a company. But let's talk about the business side really get into that because a lot of people grow their businesses over a long period of time over years they have different starts and stops and starts and stops and trial and error and figure out how they want to market themselves how they want to position themselves how they want to go about physically building the things and how they want to go about pricing things and Pricing is where a lot of people get tripped up. And I know for a lot of furniture companies, and I'm going to bring it back there because this is primarily a furniture show, that there is difficulty in pricing when it becomes more of an artistic piece. When, yes, it is a functional thing, but it's also an artistic piece because it's hard to price in that part of it. So for you, you had two things that were sort of stacked up against you right from the start. Number one, basically the first piece that you ever made in this style blew up and you had to sell it to 
somebody pretty famous and you sold it in a very spotlight situation where there was a lot of eyes on that. And the other thing is you had to price out for a piece of art where you can't necessarily always just put in the material costs and things like that. So with those two things in mind, how did you work out your pricing from the start and where has it gone to today? Yeah, it's, um, you know, in the beginning, it was, it, it was a challenge because I didn't have a big body of work, you know, that I could stand behind and, and um, demand a certain price. Art is, is really, it's all subjective. So one of the things that I knew that I had to do was I had in the beginning, I had to take on projects at cost that probably wasn't what it should be in order to build the body of work and take on projects where I may have to sacrifice the money to get the exposure because it's really pricing really in this has a lot to do with, with exposure and and the amount of eyes that I get on my work, because not everybody can afford something that takes 200, 300 hours to do. Uh, So it's really volume. It's, it's really getting my work out to as many eyes out there as I can so that small percentage are going to be in that, in a situation, you know, financially where they can, they can buy that type of art. You know, I think one of the best things that we did was in the beginning, just, just say, you know what, I know my art's worth more, but I have to get the work out there. I have to build a body of work that I can base everything off of. Each piece has, has gone up in price uh, just because of the exposure that I've gotten, I think, and the demand um, that's there to the point now where I think I've got three or four, I think I'm like uh, about three months out right now in commissions. And, you know, we made a, a, a decision together to say, you know what, let's, let's stop taking the commissions and create a body of work that we can then put up and sell and you can do you know really exactly what you want to do you've got a little bit of following behind it to where an an exposure behind it to where you know we feel confident that we could sell those pieces whereas in the beginning if i tried to you know if i just thought i was going to do that i was crazy we've both just grinded really hard to to create a foundation to where i can be looked at in a manner to demand a good price for my art. When you're marketing your pieces, when you're building this following, yes, you have relied on organic exposure, which is great. But I know behind the scenes, you're also doing a lot of things alongside the organic exposure. So can you talk about how you're marketing your business to continue to see the growth that you've been having? Yeah. Um, I'll, I'll kind of even just to, I'll kind of combine, cause I want to talk a little bit about what my dad touched on as well. Um, and the challenges of pricing and stuff too, but from the beginning, our mentality and our goal was to build a brand behind this really, you know, my dad's whole thing is, you know, that woodworking and this form of art has allowed him to be happier and it's been an amazing outlet for him. And he truly believes in it. So that's where Happy Life Wood came from, right? And that's what we wanted to do from the start. And within that, our main focus was to build as many relationships one-on-one as we could. So from the start, if somebody DM'd us, we were hopping on calls with them immediately. Whether they could afford a piece or not, we wanted them to support the brand and become a part of the movement. So that's really what we focused on from the start. Um, And that all, you know, came from social I'll say this, you know, when I talk to people, friends, whoever asking me about the business, et cetera, they always think that like, once we got that break from Pau Gasol, that things just kind of started to flow and people wanted to purchase our pieces. You know, that was actually not the truth. It was, I'll tell you right now, selling my dad's art, even though it's absolutely incredible. I think everyone sees that was the hardest thing I've ever had to do same thing with him. And it still is to this day. It's, it's not easy 
to figure out a price point to sell someone a piece of art, right? Um, so it's it's been incredibly difficult. But again, it goes back to we focused on the relationship. We made things work. We wanted to work and my dad wanted to create pieces for good people that we could connect with um, at the end of the day. So that's been our philosophy and the theme of this whole thing is just connecting with good people and having fun with the business. That's what Happy Life Wood is all about. Uh, the goal since day one has been to build a brand behind it. In terms of marketing, you know, we don't like to be very salesy. We try not to be. Um, we just like to put our work out there and, and have fun with it and create amazing content. It's crazy when you look back, you know, I'm sure every business that relies on social um, has felt this, you know, you scroll back on your feed to those original posts and you're like, oof, man, those were, <laughs> those were tough. You know, my grid, my grid on Instagram didn't look aesthetically sound and the content wasn't great and the copy wasn't great. Um, I'm really, you know, proud of the work that we've put in there to become really savvy on social and, and have a, a great Instagram where, you know, we look at it as a portfolio for my dad's work. We want people to come there and be able to see all the amazing pieces that he, he's done over the past couple of years. I'd be doing everyone a disservice if I didn't mention TikTok because TikTok, however you feel about it, <laughs> has been, um, that has literally made Happy Life Wood a business that, you know, is, is legitimate is a serious operation that we now have to take on. It's not just little commissions that are coming in, right. It's pretty big commissions. It's now collaborations with brands. And we're so grateful for those opportunities and going viral on TikTok just gave us an audience. It, you know, it, it made our social presence, you know, again, we developed over 20,000 followers on TikTok, like in a week and just started to you know, put new products out there because of the, the need. And I think the coolest part for me about TikTok was, um, you know, just the kind words that people had for my dad because he deserves that. And TikTok community really is amazing. I think people are incredibly supportive and positive on there, especially for artists. So to get thousands of comments for people that, you know, are giving him credit and trying to spread the word um, has given him confidence, given me confidence. And again, it's just taken happy life wood to, uh, to hold another level in terms of like just marketing, you know, ourselves on social and, and outreach. Um, I think I have always been of the mentality, you know, just kind of coming from a, a sales background that it's on you to hustle and create relationships. There's going to be things that come in, but there's nothing wrong with tagging your favorite brands or, sending your work to um, people that you feel like would really appreciate it. So really on a daily basis for the last almost two years, my dad and I have been hustling to, to send cold DMS to everybody who we really appreciate. Um, again, it goes back to the, you know, our loves and our passions and our interests. You know, if we, you know, for instance, you know, Matt Halfhill of nice kicks, you know, we were big fans of his and we wanted him to see the work. So we reached out and got a shot. Now, you know, maybe one of a hundred celebrities or people that we admire on social are going to re are going to get back to us, but that's huge. You know, if you, if you get that big break, you know, it's, it's amazing. So a lot of our business recently has come um, from cold outreach, which I don't think people realize. Um, but that's something that we've always felt strongly about, you know, I th I've had my dad sending, you know, videos of himself uh, to people in, via email, you know, saying, hi, this is my work, you know, et cetera. Um, so yeah, it's been, uh, the cold outreach has been a, a big winner for us, not being too salesy, but just also, you know, feeling comfortable to put the work out there and say hi to people. Um, so. You know, one of the things in the beginning that was also really challenging for us was educating people on what and how I did my work. It wasn't, 100% apparent to people when they would see my work, what it was. And so we were just like in the, in a little bit in the beginning, we we're like, wow, you know, it's like, you know, we're putting out some good content. We weren't incredibly happy with the, the numbers that we were getting. And, and we finally realized that 
you know, we were getting enough questions and comments about, is that wood or, you know, is, is that a painting that we, you know, we felt that we needed to over communicate exactly what it was and how it was done. So we, in videos and posts that we've done, it's been successful has been where I literally describe that I'm using all natural wood with no paints or stains and that I cut each individual piece and put them together and I sculpt and carve it. That's when people go, wow. Cause I, I don't think a lot of people understand that there's woods that are bright red and bright purple and yellow. And, you know, uh, they don't understand or don't realize that there's, you know, exotic woods out there that are, that are so brilliant in color that, that I use in my pieces. Using the phrase over communicate, over-communicate what you're doing is the perfect way to describe it because business owners sometimes forget that they're doing this every single day. They're doing the building every single day. If you're making furniture, you're making the furniture every day. If you're doing signs, you're doing that every day. If you're making cutting boards, if you're doing other things in the building arena, you're doing it and you understand how to do it, but the people that you're selling it to, they might not understand what you're doing. And if they don't understand it, then they can't justify paying your prices for it. They can't justify buying it. They can't justify paying the price that you need because they don't understand it. So educating potential clients, educating people who are looking at your work is just as much a part of your marketing plan as showing people your work. You're absolutely right. And I didn't see that in the beginning. And that's where Stevie would say to me, dad, we, we've got to, we got to show what you're doing. People don't get it. And I'd be like, well, you just do that. He's like, no, you don't understand. You almost have to, you almost have to, to market it or communicate it in a way that you're getting it down to the most simplest form that you know a, a, a second grader could understand because it's it's not that apparent and and you're you're exactly right Ethan when you said you know you're so ingrained in it and and it seems so simple to you but it's 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 really not to the to the you know average person that that doesn't do with it every day. So yeah, it was it was something that I really needed to focus on and, and say this is important because I just thought it was so apparent to people. And we're still not good at this. <laughs> we might we've yeah, gotten, know. we've gotten better, but like man, when you really look at it, we are marketing something to people an art form that they've never seen before this is totally new to everyone this was even new to people in the intarsia world that were supporting my dad's work in the beginning because the process that he's doing is just different this this is something that he created you know from his imagination so like that's what i think is the most amazing part i'll give him so much credit of what he's done you know it's yes his artwork is unbelievable his vision and you know his artistic ability but at the end of the day this guy literally just created a new art form to our knowledge um because we haven't found anything else out there so still to this day you know we get dms consistently people trying to figure out exactly what it is or even friends of ours or family that have known about this for a couple of years now still don't understand <laughs> um so it's just yeah it's been uh, it, it's been really difficult um but it's been really fun um to strip everything back and try to figure out how do we position this so people can easily understand that your process takes you know 200 plus hours per piece and this is what the process looks like you know you you design it you assemble the pieces you know, you put them together, you shape them, you pick the different types of wood, you know, you start to sand it, you carve it, you sculpt it, you know, it's, I still literally can't believe how much detail goes into it. So hopefully over time, we'll start to develop uh, more pieces of content so people can get a better look at that as well. You've both mentioned 
multiple times about the the amount of time that goes into each piece, hundreds, hundreds of hours going into a piece. And I understand that that is the the process. And that is really where you're feeling the artistic side of what you're doing. But at the same time, your business hinges a lot on social media, on new age technology that's out there that is propelling you forward. So you have a juxtaposition of the all by hand in the production on one side, but all technology, all computer-based on the other hand. And I know that this is a difficult tightrope for a lot of people where they love the craftsmanship aspect of it, but they also see the woodworking industry and the trades in general going really towards a more technology-based future. So for you, I doubt it would be an incredibly easy transition to start doing these fabricated on a CNC machine or with other technology involved. But I also see that it could really speed up your process and really give you the ability to mass produce your pieces. Have you thought about that at all of changing your shop and the way you build things to go more into the computer-based tools? I have. And, uh, you know, every time I think about it um, and think, wow, I could, you know, I could set up a CMC machine and I could cut these pieces and uh, it would be so much faster, so much easier and even more accurate. It just, to me, it it would take all of the, um, all of the passion away that I'm getting and getting, you know, fulfilling, from from really doing it by hand and and i think it would uh it wouldn't be as attractive to people i think that uh you know the beauty of what i do is that i'm creating these one-of-a-kind pieces and i think that adds value in the pricing so i think what i would you know do in volume hope to make up in value that people are getting from a you know a -a one-of-a-kind absolutely personalized piece you know while there's some some days where I'm like, man, I wish, cause you know, I really, you know, I, I enjoy all of it, but probably my least favorite part is, is, um, cutting the pieces out on the scroll saw. And, you know, I enjoy it, but I, I really enjoy sculpting and carving. That's where, you know, that's when I get to that phase in my process, that's where I'm like, okay, let's go. You know, it's, it's just, uh, that's my, um, that's my, favorite part of the process so yeah I mean it's just I just can't I I would never think to do something in a mass-produced way like that I think personally I think it would take the the allure and the the attractiveness out of what what I'm doing I I'd be lying (laughs) if I didn't say that my dad and I there's a lot of days where we're really jealous of other artists or businesses that are able to produce stuff (laughs) at volume to keep people's attention on a daily basis. He can only do about 15 to 20 pieces a year. So it's hard to, you know, we're basing the business and um, off of 15 to 20 pieces. That's, it's really difficult to do that. And I, it's the hardest part for us because, you know, we develop so many good relationships on social with people and we want to do pieces. He wants to build pieces for everyone, but we have to be so selective about what we're doing. And we're fortunate the first year or so he sacrificed everything and basically took any project that came his way, right? Receiving payments that were way below what the worth is, right? For him to put together a piece in a month of all day labor. But now we are in a little bit of a different place where he's going to start to create some things that fulfill his, um, you know, imagination and, and creativity that we're, you know, going to going to put out there uh, for sale based on feedback from people. So it's been a challenge for sure. And it's a fairly unique challenge, I think. The way you both talk about your business, I can hear in your voices, in your stories, that this is something that you both love, that 
you found not only a business that works for both of you, but also a connection that you both could work together on and something that you'd both enjoy and that would fulfill you as a way to make money, which is incredibly important when you are building a company. You both are co-owners and family, and that doesn't always go easily together. There are difficulties in running a business together. And like in any family dynamic, there's difficulties as well. How has that gone for both of you as father and son, but also business partners? What's that like when you take a family dynamic and then put it into a work environment? Yeah, it's, it's, um, you know, I never thought that our, you know, our relationship could get ever get any stronger because we were so close to begin with, but it's just, it's brought us so close. And I think we found the perfect formula. Um, and you touched on it a little earlier about, you know, uh, doing the art side and then, you know, handling the, the technology side. And we found the, the perfect formula to whereas, you know, I can create the art and I can shoot some content here, here and there in, in my shop and, and capture it. But, you know, he handles all of the social. He and I take every single call with a client together and we're kind of a united front. And I guess one thing that helps is that we're, we're on other sides of the country. So we, you know, we're not, you know, sitting here together every single day. So that helps, but I mean, we're in constant communication, but it's, it's just, it's been like such a great blend of both of our abilities and our talents. And, you know, I, I, he's just as talented in, in what he does as I am at what I do or even more. I mean, he's just, he's been such a huge, huge part of this business. And I, again, I'll say it again. I think we've just found a really good formula to, to utilize both those talents and passions to, to make this thing, you know, work so far. I mean, it's, you know, we're still early in the process, but you know, you, you were absolutely right when you said we love it. I mean, we live it, we live it every day. And, and, and it does help that we're doing work in, you know, areas that we have a lot of interest in, you know, art, sneakers, our goal someday is to just make this thing a, a, a brand. And that could, that could be in, uh, you know, a number of different ways. It could be in fashion. I mean, we're, we're looking at everything that that's going to be, that could go under this umbrella. Um, so we've, we've, we've got a lot of dreams, but you know what, we're willing to put the work in and we're passionate about it. Yeah. It's, <laughs> it's uh, man, it's, it's been the best part of this whole thing. It's just that we've been able to do it together. Yeah. And, and we never, we never planned on this. We never dreamed of it. I mean, it's, it just, it just happened, you know, it's easier that, you know, we're just kind of naturally, you know, best friends, um, you know, father, son, we have so many interests and I've looked up to my dad since day one, but it also, it's also really hard. You know, I kind of, I laugh because he knows I get frustrated with him sometimes. <laughs> you know, I'll wake up in the morning, two hours behind and have 10 messages from him of, different ideas and <laughs> it's, it's not easy. You know, we, uh, we, we have to figure out our different parts and something that's kind of interesting about it too, is that like, we're, we, we are much different people. Um, you know, I definitely look up to my dad and have taken a lot of things from him, like so many things, right. He's always been my role model, but we're naturally different people, right. You know, I could never even dream of having as much creativity as he does. Um, and we just have naturally, you know, different, um, different strengths. So we try to, uh, you know, line up our strengths and figure it out and take on different parts of the business. So, so it makes sense. Um, but that's been really, really fun to collaborate on it with each other. And I'll end with right from the start when we decided to take this on together, um, you know, I was like, 
obviously this is, you know, you'd think that we would think this, but, you know, we verbally express to each other, the relationship always comes first, you know, family always comes first. We'll never let the business get in the way. Even if we get frustrated on certain things, take a step back, you know, let's just have fun with it together. Cause it is really special. The product that you make is unique. Like you said before, you basically invented this type of work, but what's behind running a successful business doesn't necessarily have to just be because of the product. It's because of the way the business is run. So people could look at your business and even though you might be making something different than them, they can still learn from the way you've gone about putting your company into the world. So for people who are looking to start their own business and for people who already have businesses but are looking to become more successful at what they do, what's some advice that you could share from your journey so far to help other people also reach success? Be as, you know, as passionate as you can about what you're doing. And I think we've touched on it several times, but it's been a key major key to our success so far has been relationships with people that you respect and people that you want to work with and surround yourself with people that are that are doing good things um and uh you know we have no trouble reaching out for help from from different peoples in areas that we don't you know we may not be uh real strong in. we we literally you know, try to set up, you know, multiple calls a week to just, you know, meet with other artists and, and, and talk about, you know, what's, what's been successful for them and, and, you know, how can we either work together or share information? It, it's just, it's really, and, and, you know, if you look all communities that you're, you know, you're marketing to, or you're in generally tend to, to be really cool about, you know, sharing information and the, you know, the woodworking community for one is, is awesome. I've always thought that since day one, um, uh, you know, whenever I've had questions or, or wanted some advice, everybody's been so awesome. Um, but I think most communities are like that. You just can't be afraid to, to, you know, reach out to somebody that you're, you admire and just say, Hey, you know, I, I love what you're doing, you know, could you give me maybe some feedback on, you know, what I'm doing and, and maybe share some, some little tricks and tips, uh, with me. And I've never had anybody refuse that. And I think, um, you know, that is, has been really key to us. And I would suggest for anybody to, to really, just try and soak up as much information as you can from other people that are doing something similar to you and just use it. We've believed since the beginning that like you need to take inspiration from others. I mean, we send each other examples of stuff every single day. It's us trying to figure out how do we, you know, sell prints? How do we create an e-commerce store and monetize a brand that comes directly from an artist's work like Steph Morris does? Um, or how do we create TikTok content that tells the story of the piece that my dad created? Um, you know, we took direct inspiration from Dylan Eakin, who's one, an artist that we look up to. You know, Ethan, you've been a content creator that we've looked up to since the beginning. You know, you're one of those people that we take inspiration from, you know, not to get too, uh, too cheesy over here, <laughs> but <laughs> like it's your content is amazing. And so there's all these different examples. There's nothing wrong with taking inspo from people, being humble and, and asking for help. That's how you advance your business. You're not going to know everything as you continue to go throughout. You might know nothing. Um, so just learning from others has been absolutely key. So, and then the cool part about that is that, again, we've said it a million times, but it's all about people. Like it's all about the relationships. That's what we love. It's amazing. Like think what you want about social, right? Like I'm not somebody personally who loves you know, 
posting on social, but you know, for a business or for an artist to be able to connect with people literally all across the world, good people is amazing. It's such a great experience. And we like, we really believe in that. So, you know, we built relationships with our customers. That's, that's really what we believe in. Again, it's a movement. It's, it's about creating relationships with people and believing in what happy life would really is. That's we're having fun with it. It sounds like you're having fun with it. It sounds like you're enjoying what you do and that excitement for your company and for what you are building is really shining through in the success that you've had so far. And I wish you continued success in all the places that you want to take this business. And I can't wait to see what you all do in the future. So thank you very much for your time. And I really do appreciate you sitting down with me and talking and sharing your story with me and with the rest of the community and wish you the best of luck moving forward. Yeah, we thank you so much, Ethan. Uh, it's been a, a great experience. And uh, I can honestly say that in order to move forward, you've got to you got to make yourself known and, and uh, associate yourself with good people. So we, we really appreciate it. We really appreciate the opportunity, man. And this is literally the first time that the two of us have actually expressed all this on, on any platform. Um, so it was really fun doing it and um, just appreciate it. So thank you. Thanks so much for listening to Building a Furniture Brand with Ethan Abramson. If you liked what you heard, you can subscribe to this podcast anywhere you like to listen. To learn more about the show, you can visit buildingafurniturebrand.com. And feel free to reach out anytime to say hey, ask a question, or suggest a guest for future episodes. Our email is hello at buildingafurniturebrand.com. You can follow along with me on Instagram at thebuildwithethan, and I can't wait to bring you the next episode. This show is produced and edited by me, Ethan Abramson. Hope you enjoyed, and thanks so much for listening. The Building a Furniture Brand with Ethan Abramson podcast is proudly part of the Woodpreneur Network, the media network and community for wood entrepreneurs. Check out woodpreneurlife.com for more information.